Amen. If you have your Bible, turn with me to the Gospel of Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. And what a wonderful time of worship we've already had tonight. It's just been so good. We could just about just go on home. But since we're here, we'll, we'll stay with it. Mark chapter 2, in just a moment, I'll begin to read in verse 1. But I want to say again, thank you to your pastor, brothers. Thank you so much. What an honor to be here. Uh, I count it a privilege to be at Hillcrest, and I count it a great privilege and honor to serve you, the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. And I want you to know that I am unapologetically interested in winning Tennessee for Jesus. And I know you are too. And I'm looking forward to God just breaking out in revival right here in Lebanon. We'll just let it spread east, west, north, and south. Amen. And I'm also grateful tonight for the privilege and honor to be able to preach with Mac Brunson. What a great man of God. Uh, a leader in our Southern Baptist life and a great preacher and expositor of the Bible. And uh, Brother Mac, thank you. It's an honor to be able to preach with you. So I'll, I'll try to just share a few feeble remarks and get out of the way. Amen. Amen. Nobody amen that. Amen. <laughs> Mark chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, in reverence to the Word of God, would you stand with me as we read? Mark chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. And again he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive them, no, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. There were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who, who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, arise and take up thy bed and walk, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sin, he saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, arise, take up thy bed, and go thy way into thy house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. Pray with me. Father, thank you for the great privilege of being in your house. Thank you for the sweet privilege of worship. God, thank you that we could lift our voices, our hands, and our hearts to you. And Lord, you were worthy of every bit of that praise and much, much more. God, I pray we'll continue to worship as we walk about this text tonight. And God, I pray you'd preach it to us. Just dismiss me. Just set me to the side. And Lord, I pray you'd preach tonight. Let us hear from heaven. 
God, I pray that it would please you to preach to the end that somebody would be saved tonight. And God, I pray that all the praise, honor, and glory might be credited to Jesus. For it's in his name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Wonderful passage of scripture we find in Mark chapter 2. And many of you may have read this passage before. Or maybe you've taught Sunday school on it or heard a lesson or even a message that was preached from this text. It's a wonderful passage of Scripture about the mighty power of our awesome Lord Jesus Christ. I love the way it starts when it said he entered it again uh, into Capernaum. And Capernaum was a beautiful place. A number of years ago, I had the privilege of going uh, there to the Holy Land. And I remember going to P Capernaum. And I thought when I walked in to the, to the little town, as it were, there on the shores of the Sea of Galilee, I thought, no wonder Jesus spent so much time here. It's so beautiful. And it's such a, a warm and inviting place. And so when I read this text, I'm not surprised that Jesus is again in Capernaum. And the Bible said it was noise that he was in the house. Now, I like that. You know, just a few years ago, I started hearing folks and they'd say, oh, so-and-so's in the house. Y'all have heard people saying that, so-and-so's in the house. That's not anything new. That started right here with Jesus. Jesus is in the house. That's what the Bible said. It was noise that he was in the house. And I like that. I said, I like that. And, and you should like that. And, and I just want to ask you a question as I'm trying to get to my points here tonight. I just want to ask you a question. Has anybody heard that Jesus was in the house at Hillcrest? No, 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 no. Hold on now. Hold on now. I mean, has anybody outside the church heard that Jesus was in the house? When was the last time you told somebody, come to my church because Jesus is going to be there? Well, what if I say that and he doesn't come? <laughs> Shame on you. I invite him to go everywhere I go. Amen. He's here tonight. Amen. I said, Lord, I'm not going without you. Amen. I need you. He's in the house. I wouldn't go to a church where Jesus didn't go. I said, I wouldn't go to a church where Jesus didn't go. And if Jesus is in the house, we ought to be making noise out there and telling folks Jesus is in the house. You know what happens? He overflows the house. And you'll find yourself introducing them to Jesus out there. Amen. That's good, Rock. They're not with you, but go ahead and help yourself. And again, he entered into Capernaum, and it was noise that he was in the house. Verse 2, and straightway many were gathered together, and so much that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, when Jesus went to church, he went to preach the word. We live in such an unusual day and our churches seem to be resounding with everything but the word on too many occasions. We will never grow a church for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ without the preaching of his word. It is God's chosen way. He chose through the foolishness of preaching that people would be saved. We need the preaching of the word. And we remember from last night that word preach, caruso, it means to proclaim. And so we are all to be proclaimers of the word. And if you need another reason to be that, Jesus did it. You call yourself a Christian. You're supposed to be like Christ. And if we're going to be like him, we ought to be proclaiming the word. 
And so the Bible then tells us the place is full, and you, you probably know the record, I, I just read it, of how there were four guys who went and found someone who was a paralytic and did a very unbaptistic thing and tore the roof off. And <laughs> now, now, see, you laugh about that a little bit, but if somebody started tearing the roof off tonight, you Baptists would hit the roof, don't would? Come on. I've been a Baptist all my life and nine months before. I know what we would do. And anyway, it's a very unbaptistic thing. So they lowered him down, and Jesus sees him there. And, and when Jesus sees the faith of those four, he says to this man who's sick of the palsy, thy sins be forgiven thee. Tonight, for just a few minutes, I'd like to talk about three types of people around Jesus. Three types of people around Jesus. In this text, I see three very distinct groups of people. And, and, and here's why I feel compelled to share it with you. Because I believe those same three types of people are here tonight. Amen. Now, I'm not going to tell you which group you fit in. <laughs> but I'll bet you can figure it out. Anyway, here we go. All right. The first group I see are the sitters. I said the sitters. I've been to seminary. That's a good theological word, isn't it? Sitters. The Bible tells us uh, in verse 6, there were certain of the scribes sitting there. Let me tell you about the sitters. They're scribes. The Bible said these scribes. Now, scribes are good people. I said they're good people. They're religious people. L listen to this. They knew the word that Jesus was preaching. They knew it. They were extremely religious, faithful in the church, and they knew the word like nobody's business. They knew the word better than most because they didn't have a Staples or an Office Depot or anything like that first century. It was just a few years behind. <laughs> and so they couldn't go Xerox the old scrolls they needed somebody to write them. That's how they got a duplicate copy. And the copy was made by dudes who were named scribes. Now, the Bible tells us it was noise that Jesus was in the house. And when the word got out, Jesus was there. All these scribes went. And does it any wonder? I mean, they knew the word. They had read the old scrolls. They had heard the coming of the Messiah. And they heard all these stories about Jesus, so they wanted to go. And so they went, and amen, the scribes were welcome. And they all came in, and they sat down. Boy, it's dangerous, really, when I talk about sitters, since I'm the only one that's not. <laughs> They were sitting there, and have you noticed, have you, have you ever bought a ticket to go to an event that was, that all the seats were full? Have you ever, have you ever gone to an event, and, and you can get a ticket, and it's SRO on it. Have you ever, have you ever gotten an SRO? Do you know what SRO is? Standing room only. <laughs> that means you don't have a seat, but you're welcome to come in and stand. <laughs> Do you know why they sell those tickets? Because they got room for more to come. They want to make the money. But they got room for y'all to come stand. We just don't have a seat. Because in order for you to have a seat, it's going to require you to take more space. But you can stand. These scribes who were religious, who knew the word, found a seat 
in the house where Jesus was. And they were sitting there. The Bible said there were so many people in the house that you couldn't even get in the door. Now, ladies and gentlemen, there's nothing wrong with sitting. I mean, like I said, you're sitting now. <laughs> you're comfortable, aren't you? I hope so. There's nothing wrong with sitting. There's nothing wrong with sitting in and of itself. However, when you sit, you have the potential for something else to happen. See, when you are sitting, you have become immobile. You're inactive. You're just sitting. And as much as you have become inactive physically, you have not become inactive mentally. And the Bible said there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. They're sitting there, nothing wrong with sitting. However, in their sitting, they became critical in their thinking. Isn't that amazing? Isn't it easy to do when you're not involved in something? You're just watching. You're just an observer. It's awfully easy to become critical. I'm telling you, I've watched enough football. And, and I, I, I watch football, and I'm going to tell you something. You talk about critical. I mean, I am critical. I get on the coach. I'm sitting there at the 50-yard line of my house. And I'm like, can you believe that stupid call that coach made? I can't believe he did that. You know why I'm critical? Because I'm sitting there. I really don't have any skin in the game. And it's easy for me to be critical. Now, I love football, but I don't know as much as that coach does, and I certainly don't make as much money as he does. But I can get critical. Well, these folks got critical. The Bible said that when Jesus spoke to the paralytic and said, your sins are forgiven, that, that they said, why does this man speak blasphemies? He loads down your sins and forgive. Why does this man blaspheme? Only God can forgive sin. They kind of answered their own question that he really wasn't blaspheming. But anyway, they weren't there yet. But can I show you something? In their sitting, in their inactivity, when they became critical in their thinking, let me just say it like this. It's dangerous to think in the presence of Jesus. I said it's dangerous to think in the presence of Jesus because he knows what you're thinking. See, and so they're sitting there saying, who does he think he is? He's speaking blasphemy. Only God can forgive sin. And, and then he answers their thoughts. <laughs> How's that sitting? Can you imagine that? I mean, just think about it for a minute. You're sitting there. I'm up here preaching, and you're sitting there. Just, just, let's just, just have a little, you know, hypothetical. And, and let's just assume you're sitting there saying, I wish he'd hurry. I'm so tired. And I said, I'm hurrying. I mean, wouldn't that shock you that I, I mean, if I'm sitting where you are and I'm thinking that and the speaker speaks to what I thought, that would throw me off a little, you know what I mean? And here sat these guys who are being critical of the very Son of God and he knows exactly what they're thinking. Could I just say to you that I've said this before, I'm going to say it again. I, 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 I've said you don't have to apologize for what you don't say, but that's just not true because God knows your heart. Ladies and gentlemen, 
We got too many sitters in the kingdom of God. We're happy with our, our place. We're content with where we are. And we can sit and be critical because we have earned the right based upon our own righteousness to sit and watch, observe, and be critical. And here they sit. And Jesus said, why do you reason these things? He already knew where their heart was. And ladies and gentlemen, he knows where your heart is. He knows what's going on in your mind. He knows what's going on in your heart. And I know there are folks who come to church every time the doors are open, but their heart is not right with God. Your actions should indeed follow your heart, but I am convinced that many people have actions trying to cover up their heart. And they're just sitting they're just, oh, there's nothing wrong. They're just sitting. I mean, they're just there. Oh, but, but there is something wrong. There's another group of people in this text. I not only see the sitters, but I see the seekers. Let me show you about the seekers. The Bible said there were these four guys who went and found a paralytic. Now, did they know him? I don't know. The Bible doesn't say. How did they locate him? I don't know. Maybe it was one of their neighbors. I don't know. The Bible just says there were four who went and found a paralytic and brought him to Jesus. Herein is the problem. They get to the door, and because the religious crowd are sitting around, taking up all the space, reasoning in their heart and being critical of Jesus, they can't even get in the door. Did you ever consider, have you ever considered that just maybe in your inactivity and your critical thinking, you have gotten in the way of people getting to Jesus? Have you ever considered that? I believe that one person in the house of God can hinder the moving of the Holy Spirit in the house of God. I, I'm telling you, that's a fearful thing. That's a scary thing to think that if my heart's not right, I could hinder God's work. You can get in his way. I think about old Zacchaeus. Y'all remember Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus was a wee little... See, everybody knows about Zacchaeus. I love that. And, 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 and he is a wee little man, and because he was so short, he climbed up in a... Because that's exactly right. And so he climbed a tree because he was short, right? I'm not sure. I'm kind of thinking he climbed the tree because all the religious crowd were too tall. <laughs> We've heard about Jesus. We on the front row. And besides, we hate his guts. Oh, my, that's a whole other message. I better leave that alone right there. But, but, but I believe that maybe there were so many people lined up to see Jesus. Maybe he couldn't see because the crowd. And here's this bunch. They're just sitting there, and they're religious. They know the word, but they're critical in their spirit, and they're taking up space and sitting in the way. But let me show you something. These four guys, I call them seekers, and they were seekers because they were seeking somebody 
that they could bring to Jesus who couldn't get to Jesus on their own. <laughs> I said they were seeking somebody who couldn't get to Jesus on their own. And this man qualified. He couldn't walk. He couldn't get up off his bed. He is a paralytic and he cannot get to where Jesus is. And these four guys said, I tell you what, we don't know about all these things that are going on, but we're going to take this man who can't get to Jesus to Jesus. Now, why did they do that? Because they just believed Jesus could do something. <laughs> they <laughs> That's good. I'm enjoying that and I'm not even there yet. Listen, they believed that Jesus could do something for a paralytic that the paralytic couldn't do for himself. And by faith, hey, they didn't have an appointment. I said they didn't have an appointment. They didn't have a prescription written up. All they knew was, here's a paralytic, and over in that house is Jesus. So they come to the house, and they open the door, forget it, the religious crowd are sitting there. Well, this is where we find out they're not Baptists. You ever been on visitation with Baptists? They're not here, let's go. You just saw the lights turned off and you heard the TV go to mute. They're not here. We better go. <laughs> Amen. That's funny. Y'all would laugh if you weren't so guilty. But anyway. <laughs> hey, these four guys refused to be denied. And so they carry this guy over here to the house where Jesus is, and they can't get in the door. <laughs> let, let me tell y'all a story. I was doing a, Gerilyn and I, we were together, and we, uh, we hadn't been married too long. We're down on the coast, uh, on the Gulf Coast, doing a youth something. I don't remember what it was. Some church had asked us to come, and so we go. And at this experience, they're trying to do a little team builder, and so they hold this rope up, and they put these teams, uh, they divide the youth up, and they say, you got to get everybody on your team over the rope without touching the rope. And, you know, they're trying to learn how to do that. Now, it was kind of neat, you know, we're just sitting over there watching, and, and, and they got the rope up to about this high. And, you know, there's always that, <laughs> that one guy. <laughs> Just let your mind wander, just that one guy. And, and so they said, we'll pick up this one guy and, and we'll, we'll put him over. And once we got a couple of people over there and, and we'll, we'll just carry him over with our hands. Well, <laughs> they got him up and they're starting to put him over to the other side and they touched the rope and somebody said, touch the rope and everybody just let go. That old boy is, is up, you know, he's like a turtle. And I mean, boom, he hit that floor and he came up. <gasps> Knocked the breath out of him, you see. <laughs> I'm fearful that's the way a lot of folks are when they're carrying the paralytic to Jesus and there's too many people there, so they just drop him. Well, we tried. But these guys would not be deterred in such a way. And the Bible said, we're going to find another way. So I don't know what all they did in trying to find another way, but eventually they found themselves up on the roof and they began to peel it back. 
And when they peeled it back, they began to lower this man down in front of Jesus. And Jesus looks at the man, and he's amazed that there's a paralytic. No, he didn't. The Bible said he looked at their faith. Ladies and gentlemen, did you read that? Let, let me read it to you because you need to hear. The Bible said, look at verse 4, And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, they let down the bed where in the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, the seekers, hey, what were their names? The Bible doesn't even say what their name is. I don't know what their name is. When we get to heaven, I, I can't say, I want to see those guys. I, I just have to say, where are the four guys? Because the Bible doesn't tell me their name. The Bible doesn't tell me anything about them. But I'm telling you what, we get to heaven, we're going to see them. Because when Jesus looked up, he saw their faith. Seekers who are seeking those who can't get to Jesus on their own, are people of faith who believe there is nobody that Jesus can't save. And they are convinced that they can share Jesus with any and everybody, even the worst sinners they know, because they just believe Jesus can. Amen. Amen. They just believe it. I remember when I was in the eighth grade, my dad was a pastor. We had moved to a new church, and uh, I'm trying to hurry, and we had moved to a new church, and, and I went to a new school, and so I'm in a new homeroom class, and I met this man beside me here, a boy. We were in eighth grade. His name was Brian, and I said, Brian, you go to church anywhere? And he said, no. I said, Brian, Remember, I'm in the eighth grade. I'm young, green, wet behind me. don't know what I'm doing, okay? And I said, Brian, are you saved? Amen. Probably wasn't politically correct, but that's why I asked. You saved? He said, no. Not like folk today that we have to get lost. But anyway, I said, uh, you saved? He said, no. I said, Brian, would you go to church with me? Because let me tell y'all what I knew. Are you listening to me? I knew if I could get Brian to go to church with me, he'd get saved because my daddy was going to preach. That's what I knew in my heart because my daddy could preach. He believed Jesus. He believed the Word, and he preached. If I can get, if I can get Brian there, he's going to get, Brian, you go to church? Yeah, I'll go to church with you. Never did. Month after month, I'd ask him, yeah, I'll go, but he never, never came. We got to our ninth grade year, and, and we, me and two other guys went. The principal said, we'd like to start a little Bible study before school. If you'd let us. And he said, okay, that'll be fine. So before the bell rings, we had a, about 15 or 20 minutes, we'd have a Bible study. And one day, we started, and, and we're going. And so during school, I saw Brian. I said, Brian, would you come to, to Bible study tomorrow? Said, yeah, I'll come. Well, he's told me he'd come to church, too. <laughs> but I just wondered, well, you know, guess what? He showed up that day. He showed up that day. And that day, God began to speak to my heart. And he said, you need to talk to him about his soul. And I, I said, Lord, I'm going to bring him to church so my daddy can tell him. Because <laughs> I knew my daddy would tell him. Well, long story short, Brian got saved that morning in the cafeteria at Hudson Middle School. See, I had assurance if I could get him to my daddy, he'd get saved. But God was setting me up. Let me tell you something. 
if you can get a lost person to your daddy, that's what these four guys believed. We don't know what he's going to do. I mean, this is Mark chapter 2. We're not even deep into his ministry yet. I don't know what he's going to do. I can just see these four guys talking. I don't know what he's going to do. And Lord knows we tear the roof off. It's going to upset everybody. But you know, we got to get this guy to Jesus because I don't know what he's going to do, but I know he can. Oh, if we just had a few people who believed God could. If we just had a few people who were willing to seek out and find people who can't get to Jesus just because we believe Jesus can. I'm just convinced Jesus can. <laughs> I'm just convinced he can save. I'm convinced he desires to save all men. Well, we see sinners and we see seekers who were recognized by Jesus for their faith. But there's one more group I want you to see before I sit down. We got the sinners, uh, we got the seekers. And then this paralytic that's lowered down, Jesus looks at him and he says, oh, he's in terrible situation. Lord, he, can you imagine? I mean, can't you imagine Jesus sitting there looking, my, my, he can't walk and somebody had to bring him in here. That's not what Jesus did. Jesus looked at him. Now, I wouldn't presume to think or tell you I know what Jesus thought, but I do know what he said. He said, your sins are forgiven. Some of us are so tore up about our physical condition, and it is so secondary to your spiritual condition. Listen, I've been in enough prayer meeting Baptist church. I know what prayer meeting is. 45 minutes of request, some of that's gossip. And about three minutes of prayer. What's wrong with this picture? And do you know what most of our prayer requests are about? Somebody's sick. Somebody's sick. Let me tell you something. I am not as worried about the sickness of this flesh as I am the sickness of the spirit that has claimed the spiritual life of people. They are not sick. They are dead. And it seems our requests are more about sickness than sinfulness. There's three groups of people in this text. Sitters, seekers, and sinners. And the sinner is this paralytic. I mean, he's in a terrible condition. How much sin could he do? <laughs> he paralyzed. Was he out carousing around? <laughs> Doubt it. What can he do? He's paralyzed. I don't know. But Jesus saw that he was a sinner. Jesus recognized him, not in his physical condition, but his spiritual condition. And there were sinners in that room. There may have been more than just him. But we know for certain there's one. I believe in this room tonight we've got some sitters, we got some seekers, and we got some sinners. And hey, if you're a sinner tonight, let me tell you something. Jesus looked at this man and said, your sins are forgiven. Do you know why I did it? Number one, this man was a sinner. Number two, Jesus could forgive him. Are you with me? Hey, I came to tell you something tonight. If you're a sinner, and that's a mighty small if, because we all are. I came to tell you. We have a Lord Jesus who can forgive your sin. And he desires to forgive your sin. He 
died so he could forgive your sin. He shed his blood so that the price for your sin and mine would be paid for. He was laid in a borrowed tomb and rose on the third day to give former sinners life everlasting. If you're a sinner tonight who's never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, tonight's the night. Now is the time. Not tomorrow, not next week. I can't promise you any of those times. But I can tell you you're here tonight. Best I can see, you're here. And we have a Lord who can forgive you of your sin. These Pharisees are sitting there thinking, who's he think he is? And Jesus said, just so you'll know, <laughs> I forgive him of his sin and take up your bed and walk. What seems to be your problem? A number of years ago, Gerald and I were counseling with a couple. And there had been horrible sin that had occurred. And as all those things were being shared with a person's spouse of what they had done, this lady bent over in her chair and put her face in her hands. And for at least 30 minutes, she sat like that, weeping, crying. Gerilyn went over to her and said, set up. And she said, I can't. I'm too ashamed. I stood up and said, well, you ought to be ashamed. You believe that, don't you? Gerilyn began to whisper to her that our God was able to forgive her her sin and to take her shame. I came by to tell you tonight, Jesus is able to forgive you of your sin and to take your shame. He can take your guilt and he can make you white as snow. I must confess, I have a subtitle to this text. Not just three kinds of people around Jesus, but my subtitle is this, Brother Mac. Are you in the way or are you on the way? Are you in the way of people getting to Jesus or are you on the way taking people to Jesus? If you are saved, you're one or the other. The most moving day I ever had in seminary, a preacher came and he stood up and I don't remember all of his message, but I shall never forget his title. His title was this. Are you a soul winner or are you out of the will of God? I wanted to raise my hand and say, isn't there another option in this? Are you on the way? Are you in? The only reason, listen, the only reason you're not on the way or in the way is because you don't know him. And if you don't know him, tonight's your night. Tonight's your night. Tonight's your night. Listen, I just feel compelled. I need to offer you an opportunity to accept Jesus. And if you've never accepted him, tonight's the night. Right now. Right now. Just bow your head in attitude of prayer. Would you do that? 
If tonight you've never asked Jesus into your heart, you say, preacher, if I die, I'm going to hell. I'm lost. Would you pray for me? Would you just slip up your hand? I want to pray for you right now. Just slip up your hand. I'm, I'm, the Bible said if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and on the third day God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. If you've never accepted him, would you just slip up your hand right now? Better yet, don't even worry about slipping up your hand. Just walk them down here. Come on. Just come on down here. Is there anybody? I need to accept Jesus. Maybe, maybe tonight you say, preacher, I know I'm a Christian. Then Christian brother, sister, are you in the way or on the way? Maybe you need a moment to come to God's altar and say, Lord, I've been in the way. Or maybe you need to come and say, God, I got something I'm trying to get to you. Give me strength. Give me wisdom. Give me direction. Give me opportunity. I don't know what God might be saying to you, but I feel compelled to give you an opportunity to respond. God, I thank you that you're meeting with us in such power. And God, if there's somebody who could not stand or could not even lift their hand to say they didn't know you, I pray, God, oh, sweet Jesus, draw them unto yourself that they'd be saved. And God, for every person in this room that claims to know you, oh, God, put us on the way. Finding somebody that can't get to you on their own, put us on the way trying to tell a lost people about you. Oh, God, please. And if we're in the way, convict our hearts that we might repent. Turn from it and get on the way. God, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Very quietly, will you just stand, just play a little bit, just stand to your feet. If God's speaking to you, come on. Our pastor, be here at the front. Come on, come on, come on. If God's speaking to you, come on. Brother Rock, I don't think you're supposed to give an invitation. I didn't ask, come on. Well, you offend me. I'd rather offend you than the Holy Ghost, amen? Come on, if the Spirit's moving, come on. There's already people in the altar. Somebody else needs to come. You in the way or on the way? You in the way or on the way? Come on, if God's speaking to you. Come on. Come on, right now, quickly. Quickly. 